just like to open your, your Bibles or your devices to um, Acts chapter 4. I'm just going to read from verses 23 through to the end of um, chapter 4, which is 30, 37. So I'll give you, I'll give you a few seconds to, uh, to open your devices or your Bibles. Had a very interesting week since we got back from um, from Denmark, trying to get over jet lag and catch up with this and that and whatever else. So um, anyway, this morning's message is what it is. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start reading from verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In them, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers bend together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this, in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal them and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of the Lord boldly, the word of God boldly. All the believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to everyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Lord, I just pray that you um, open these scriptures to us this morning, that you speak into our hearts, that you speak into our minds, that you challenge us, that you put in front of us the different possibilities, Lord, that you want us to take home out of this out of this passage this morning, Lord. I pray this in your name. Amen. I've given a title to this passage this morning, and I've called it the, the message that polarises. If you want to um, upset people, talk about Jesus. 
Nothing polarises the room more instantly than that. You can talk about your pol political views, you can talk about your football teams, you can talk about just about anything else, your, your, your greenhouse, what you reckon is happening with the world. But nothing polarises the room or upsets people more quickly than actually talking about Jesus and things of faith. I've got um, one verse, one key verse that I want you to take home this morning. And that is, in, enable your servant to speak the word with great boldness. I want you to take that home. Enable your servant to speak the word with great boldness. I've got three points again this morning, not to disappoint anybody. <laughs> the first point is, why do the nations plot against you? The second one is speaking the word boldly, and the third point is living it out. The first point, why do the nations plot, plot against you? Just want to put this passage in context, I know you've probably all heard it last week. But here you have Peter and John, they're on the way to the temple. They walk past this cripple, he's been crippled from birth. And, they, and he, he's begging them for money. And you can imagine them standing there and they're emptying out their pockets and they've got no money. They haven't got any silver or gold. But they say to this man, get up. Get up and walk. This guy who the community knows has been a cripple from birth. He's an old man at this stage. And he gets up and he leaps and he jumps and he goes with them into the temple. And the people are looking, you know, can imagine, they're looking at this, like, who is this guy? I've seen him. I've seen him somewhere. I know the face. And then it slowly dawns on them that this is the guy who begs at the front gate. He is now, he's now healed. He's now walking. He's now jumping. And you think the whole community would rejoice. And a large part of the community did rejoice. A large part of the community started to think about what the apostles were saying. But those people who mattered, they just wanted to shut it down. They didn't want to know the truth of it. They just saw it as a threat. If I actually believe this stuff, I'm going to have to change a few things and I don't want to change a few things. It's going to actually affect my power and I don't want to have my power affected. I don't want to have my position or my place affected. One of the, um, I don't know whether, it, I, I, I believe it's more a, a modern day sort of thing. The mortgages are, mortgages are getting bigger. Um, both people have to work, both both people in the marriages, male, um, man, man and wife have to go out to work. Can't survive on one wage anymore. So one of the outcomes of that is that the grandparents get a lot busier. You have to, we're, we're looking after these children more and we're having an influence on these children, whether you like it or not. Or whether our children like it or not. It's probably more the point. And Shannon, he's a smart fellow, he realised that. He realised that Pauline was having an impact on Lucas. And I, I think I've told you this story before, but he asked us not to teach Lucas about, about Jesus anymore. Not to speak about the things of God with Lucas. Because he could see that Pauline had an influence on Lucas. That was very difficult. 
But we sort of thought about it a little bit and thought, well, if Lucas brings it up, he brings it up. If he asks us to read certain books, even though they're Bible stories, well, we'll read the books. And time and time again, the books that he would pick up would be the Bible stories. And we would read them to him. And then one time Pauline's out pushing the trucks around in the, in the, in the yard with, with Lucas. And he notices a tree growing sideways. And he says, Ma, why is that tree growing like that? And Pauline says, I'm not, I'm not sure, Lucas. You know, maybe the ground was soft and the wind blew or whatever else. And then Lucas said, no, I think that God wanted to surprise us. He has ways of doing things, doesn't he? Even though we are told not, you know, often when we talk about the things of God, it polarises people. But it won't ever really, he can't stop him. He can't stop him. But the Pharisees put um, Peter and John in prison and say, you know, you've got to stop talking about this stuff. We will let you go, but you can't stop, you can't talk about it anymore. You've got to keep your mouths quiet. And what do Peter and John say? Well, who do we obey? God or man? Speaking the word of, of the Lord boldly, what was their response? Who do, we, who, do we, who do we obey, God or man? They go back and they ask the community to pray for them, that they will speak the word of God boldly. We've just been to um, to uh, Germany and um, and Denmark on a holiday. We uh, we arrived in uh, Berlin, which we're meant to be spending seven days with Corey and Giselle in in uh, Berlin. We spent one day with them, and then Corey got COVID and went into isolation. So we were there for six days, not really knowing our way around the block, really not having any confidence with the public transport system. When I looked at the board and saw all the names, it actually meant nothing to me. <laughs> if they said you had to go to Rathholgram, I would just look at it and think, where on earth is that? <laughs> and every time we got on a train to go anywhere, they'd be doing track works and it would change. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't, what do I do? Anyway. Through some of the blessing of this time, we got to know of two Ukrainian refugees who were living with, with Corey and Giselle. They've got a beautiful heart. They've opened their house up. It's a tiny house. They've got, it's actually meant that Corey and Giselle have to live in one room so they can free up this other room for Ella and, and, and Kate. But Ella and Kate took pity on us and they took us around the place and they showed us different bits and pieces. Now. They speak Russian very well, they speak Ukrainian very well, they speak a little bit of German and a tiny bit of English. So we, we, we got there, we got there. But what we did learn was that Kate and Ella have a great faith. So here we have Corey and Giselle who've made some statements about their faith that they're putting on the sidelines or not believing for a while. But yet God is placed in very tight and find quarters, people of faith. It's great. We, um, we're travelling from Berlin up into 
Denmark by train, about seven hours it was by train. And Corey had pre-booked the ticket, so we had three seats. And the way they set up the trains is that they have a table and they'd have the four seats around the table. So that meant whenever we went, we had a spare seat that was paid for. On the way from Berlin up to Hamburg, it would, it would, the train was fairly empty anyway. We had two, our two seats and two spare seats. We got to Hamburg station. It's, it's a huge place. You know, the, the platforms are that long that they have one train pulling this way, one train pulling that way on the same platform. And you just get out and walk across and hop on or when you work out which train it is. And we were on this huge, huge platform on a huge train station, not understanding the language or whatever else. No, Corey with us, just Pauline and I. And um, I'll go to an official, like a train guard thing and say, you know, where's the train to Denmark? We want to go to Skanderbol. Well, he didn't understand a word I said. I may as well, you know, spoken to the brick wall. It didn't really work. But I had an idea. I thought, well, I'll just get out on the platform because the Danes speak English. I'll just stand in the middle of the crowd and I say, does this go to Scannonball? <laughs> so I did and they said, yeah, it does. It's beautiful. <laughs> Straight on the train and we, we get on this next train and it's packed. It's packed. Now, when you buy seats, you can buy a seat around one of these tables or you can just take a chance and you just get a ticket to get on. You might have to stand up for the whole five hours, but if a seat comes available, you can jump in it. Well, we had a spare seat. And we had English speakers. Young. I, it's, you know how, I don't know with, with you, but with me, whenever I can speak to people I don't know about Jesus, just, it's so nice. So, so refreshed. And we had these young Danish girls sitting in opposite us who were great English speakers. They wanted to speak English. They loved to speak to people who speak English because they want to practice it. And we're talking about all sorts of things and every time they seemed to get onto things about faith. It was great. They'd share, they'd share their concerns. They'd share... They share their lives with us. So if you want to share, talk to people about Jesus, just get on a train and buy a spare seat. <laughs> so I just want to encourage all of us to take the opportunity to speak about our faith with boldness. It will bring about rejection. They will question your cerebral capacity. They will look at you and they will question your morals. They will question your integrity. They will put your life under a microscope. But so what? So what? Speak about our faith with boldness. And that brings me to my third point. Living it out. I love the picture in this in this passage, this last part of the passage, where the people, when they saw a need, they were selling their houses and their land. And they were placing 
the money at the apostles' feet to be distributed how they would like it. Now they had a perspective on this stuff which I think we lack. It is not ours. We think it's ours. It is not ours, it's his. He has given it to us to administer the way that he wants us to. David and I were speaking to some, some of the wives of some of the soccer players last night. We had a bit of a celebration after our grand final win. And they go to a church called the Potter's Clay. And they're talking about how often they go to church. Like when they go to church on a Sunday, it's all Sunday. They have a morning service, they have an evening service, they have a Bible study in between. And then they do something on a Saturday night as well, they do an outreach. And then they do something on the Wednesday night, they have another service which people go to. And then they have a Bible study in between that somewhere. And this is, this is, you know, how do you do all that? I mean, I'm flat out going just on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning. And I think their perspective on church is, is right. It is more than just the Sunday. It's every day. It's everything. It's all that we do. It's all that we own. We're going to be rethinking church in the next month. Hopefully we will do a good job of it, of leading you through this. And we will rethink it. We will rethink our commitment. We will rethink what we do with our resources. We will rethink how this is structured. Our God is a good God. just want to finish with the key verse. Enable your servant to speak the word of God with boldness. Enable your servant in whatever context we find ourselves in. And we'll be very surprised. I remember when we first started the conversations with the Danes on the train, I was hesitant. But we were of no threat to them. We did not know them. We did not know where they come from. They did not know what was going on in their lives. And they were open. They were just so open. I'll just finish in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for just this opportunity, Lord, to stop and to slow down and to rethink this stuff, Lord. Help us as a community, Lord, just to find what you're doing here and what you want us to do here, how you want us to slot into this, Lord. Help us to be good administrators of the resources which you give us and have given us so that we honour you. We honour you with them, Lord. Thank you for the picture of the New Testament church, Lord, how it was an everyday thing. It was a, They just loved to be together. It wasn't a burden. It wasn't something which was hard. It was something that they looked forward to and they wanted to be together. And I just pray you help that fire to grab hold again. I pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen.